my mom's parents are Ralph and Emma Ramoth from Sulawak. And uh, growing up, I grew up with my dad, mostly in Nome, which isn't too far from where I am now here in Kotzebue, Alaska, which is close to Sulawak, Alaska. But growing up in Nome with my dad, I always went back to Sulawak and or Kotzebue to visit my mom and my extended family on that side. Mm. Um, and we made one trip to Iowa when I was about five visited my grandparents, my grandpa and his wife. And then around that time, we visited Montana to my grandmother and her husband. And so I've met that side of the family a little bit, but not nearly as much as my mom's side. Yeah. Um, when I was 18, I moved back to Sulawak and lived with my grandparents for years uh, into my maybe early to mid twenties. Um, and that was great. And you, you, really you're not much into ice fishing, but you, you do like, a, like to knock a bit of caribou from time to time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, that, and I have actually, to ask I you, I have to ask you about the E word. Cause like I'm, I'm reliably informed by white women from around the planet that, that Eskimos are really horrendously offensive term and that the correct word is Inuit. Um, but every time I meet somebody from your country, they're like, ah, nah. Is, but is it just amongst yourselves? Like, are you the only, like, is it just like, what's up, my Eskimo? And, you know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. But it, what do you prefer, not a, like, the world to call you? You can call me anything you want as long as you don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the Montana coming out of you there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it matters. I was at a meeting one time. A bunch of natives and it was a big official meeting and we were doing introductions and one older guy about my dad's generation was introducing himself and he said his name and he said i used to be eskimo but now i'm in your back <laughs> everybody giggled and because we all knew it was all silly yeah so yeah i you hear native a lot what's up my native right um but it, it's really a non-issue i mm. think i see i see among, native alaska among this so i, I kind of i feel like that's a safe safe spot to fall back on you know just yeah. for most most interactions and yeah not that i talk Am, among the street community. folks the regular folks it's a non-issue when you go to official meetings and stuff the meeting holders are saying inuit mm. Mm. I was first really attracted to your part of the world and uh, just reading the work of Oscar Coagley um, it's actually my introduction to complexity theory was from um, you know a man from your part of the world uh, native scholar um, yeah who was looking at the intersections between uh, Alaskan indigenous knowledge and um, and complexity science and that was my that was my intro to complexity theory and um, yeah, I just haven't been able to get enough of it ever since. Anyway, yeah. I thought I'd get back to the root. Talk about YouTube with Arlo. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's going on in your country there now? What, oh, uh, what sort of season yeah. you in and, and what are you all up to there? Uh, buying all the toilet paper, evidently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see what's going on in my country. Um, lots of debate on terminology about I identity mm. and a lot of arguing about its importance and its non-importance. Mm. seems like there's a lot of folks saying this stuff is really important and there's a lot of people pushing back saying no this is not important hmm. we need more toilet paper <laughs> yeah so, meanwhile everybody's material actual material impacts instead how does that sound uh, don't care what okay. you call me as long as i got but, plenty of toilet paper yeah so what but, but what's what season you got going on there right now and um what's that are you are you in a rural area um, or you sort of in the middle of a, I don't know, a city or where are you at? Yeah, I'm in a borough that's, um, pretty huge. Well, I guess all the boroughs here are huge. Um, I'm up on the coast that faces Russia. Right. Um, on a peninsula and it's on a little spit off of the peninsula. Hmm. So we're like right at sea level. Um, we're above the Arctic Circle, I don't know, maybe 60 miles or so. Um, so you live near Sarah Palin. Yeah. You know, where she's like each uh, other going to the post office. She can see um, Russian helicopters from time to time in the distance. No, Russia, pretty much Arizona, informs her entire like um, years ago or foreign policy. She's, she's got beachfront property in Arizona, I think. Of course she did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, goodness me. Yeah. So I, I think to, to really understand how I've been watching YouTube pretty much all of my workday for the past three days, that's tied to my education and, you know, because the type the work I'm doing is tied to my education and my education is tied to like my life story and my life story is tied to my parents story mm. and so like it all depends on like where do you I just I think you just you just take us through it um in the way that um that makes sense for you culturally okay it makes sense for you uh you know um your way of you know speaking in the world Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So we have an idea where you're coming from uh, with your so, genealogies and family. See. Probably around 2007, hmm. I moved down from Sulawak, from living with my grandparents, to pretty much the opposite side of the state, way down in the southeast, down hmm. near the lower 48 the continental united states and down there it's like a totally different state the climate is different the culture is different the environment is different everything's different it's a temperate rainforest it's they get more rain there than i could ever want in a lifetime yeah. and i had not graduated college and so i moved down there for love uh, I was down there for training for a job that I had back home in Sulawak and 
was there for a month and I met someone and uh, stayed a, a few extra days past my training without telling my bosses that I was staying longer because I didn't think it was any big deal mm. and uh, fell in love and then I eventually went back to Salik and on my way through Kotzebue, which is like the hub community for the region. Um, Kotzebue is about 3,500 people and it's off the road system. It's like 500 miles to the road system mm. where you can drive to the major cities in Alaska and drive out down through Canada and get to the lower 48. Um, so I stopped by my boss's office and said, hey, I'm back. I'm going back to Sulawak. And he looked real sad and disappointed. And he said, well, did you tell anybody you were staying late? I said, no. He says, well, three days consecutive, no call, no show is a technical termination. So I got to fire you. Oh. I said, all right. And then since I was free and clear, I moved back down to Sitka to go pursue this love that I had uh, fallen into and that fell apart after a while but meanwhile I was the only job I could get was working as a janitor at a middle school and I, I would go to work when school was getting out so around three in the afternoon and work till like midnight or something all by myself emptying trashes, cleaning toilets, cleaning mm. bathrooms, vacuuming. And then one day they called me in early to help out with a big barbecue they were having for the kids. And I remember walking through the lunchroom and it was filled with kids. And my dad was a teacher here in Alaska out in the villages. And uh, so I used to hear all about teaching growing up. And, I was walking through the lunchroom and I thought, what am I doing work as an, working as a janitor? I could be a teacher. I could just go back to school. I could do this. I could do that. And uh, so maybe like the next year I started taking some more classes and I was in my early 20s. And that went pretty slow because I was still trying to work while taking classes. And then years later, so that was around 2007. And then years later, I decided to go back to school full time. Mm. And I was, I think, at, in my early 30s. And then so I found a real big high paying job that was just going to last for the summer and into the fall and uh, went and working on that job and got a ridiculous amount of money and um so that job finished in the fall so i was going to start college spring semester of 2013 hmm. so late 2012 i went over to morocco to visit a friend of mine that was in the peace corps and then took a little trip over to turkey on my own to go look for some Sufis that I'd met in Anchorage when I was in high school. Hmm. And uh, before that, I'd been to Russia three times with my dad. Um, and then around the world on a big eight month trip and to Scotland earlier before all that. 
so I'd, I'd been abroad quite a bit, um, mostly as a child though. So then I went on this trip to Morocco on my own. And, mm. um, we spent New Year's Eve at midnight in Berlin, 20, New Year's Eve 2012. So going into 2013. And man, those Germans, they like to party. Yeah. The whole city just lit up with fireworks for like half an hour, just boom, going off. Everybody's passing around booze. It was crazy. And uh, so then I got made it back to Alaska, started school 2013, and was working on an English degree to become a high school English teacher because I wanted to help teenagers learn how to express themselves and open them up to the world of books and ideas and broaden mm. their horizons. Mm. And then in my last semester, I interviewed a newly mint teacher that was a first year teacher. And I already heard all the horror stories about how horrible public education is. And I'm like, well, I can do it. And this teacher like totally broke it down how the teachers are under pressure, under pressure from the principals and the principals are under pressure from the superintendents and the superintendents are under pressure from the State Board of Education. And none of them like the system and they all feel powerless to do anything about it. And yep. the teachers are like receiving the brunt of all of that load. Mm. And, and it's just delivering, like, <laughs> delivering on outcomes for you know, whatever metrics they decide, yeah, you know, speak to whatever the latest bloody culture war is about education, basically. Yeah, so I was like, okay. <laughs> cool, I'm gonna go do something else for the next 10 years instead of that. Yeah. And um, graduated in 2016 at the age of 35 with an English degree and looked around and I was like, wait a minute. I'm still me. The world is still operating the way it's been operating. Getting this magical bachelor's degree was really just me finishing one more semester at school. And then this time they say, oh, now you're done. You have enough credits. Mm. And it was really weird for my head. Mm. You know, like, it felt like I had a license to adult in the in the Western <laughs> society, white white man's culture. Mm. Like yeah. what I said and thought was like somehow more legitimate in their eyes with the bachelor's degree. Mm. Meanwhile, you know, you go into a gas station and folks are still working all the grocery store shelf stalkers are still working. Like our country is still being run on legal slavery. Mm. But like now I have a bachelor's degree. And so like now I can talk about it at, with more confidence and have some sort of weird, I don't know, credence or reliability. Mm. Or just, mm weight to my words than before 
and so it was i was in this real weird headspace i was like man i gotta go back to my home village solo to stay with my grandparents for the summer and get my head straight because i was going into grad school that fall 2017 up in fairbanks um working on an arctic policy master's degree <clears throat> and in school in my undergrad i was learning more about western culture and feeling more and more increasingly native <clears throat> which i guess is a common event for native students it, it is weird isn't it yeah <laughs> you, you think you think that learning that the dominant culture is gonna change you that way but it has the opposite effect yeah yeah so i just, came out of my undergrad it makes you, like it drives you more into that native mind because yeah just, you i came just, out of undergrad recoil. and i was like look out man I'm, I'm more native now than i've ever been oh <laughs> i'm gonna do something real cool with my new powers and my new confidence in being native and so i started grad school and i found out grad school is exactly the same as undergrad it's just with more prestige and more pressure mm. like here i was wearing my seal skin wrist cuffs to to my classes and like pondering things through an indigenous lens and we were talking about traditional ecological knowledge and mm -hmm. talking about it, but not giving a goddamn ounce of respect, like actual meaningful engagement with TEK. Mm. It was it was all academic. And so I got really frustrated. And then my second semester, spring, that would have been spring of 2018, I wrote a research paper on village relocation in Alaska mm. because climate change, there's a lot of communities that need to relocate due to climate change, whether right. it's um, ero coastal erosion or permafrost subsidy, um, subsiding, melting. Mm. And my teacher validated she tore my paper apart like grammatically and i didn't have the ideas i didn't have enough flow and whatever but the basic premises of my paper which was that the only viable option for alaskan villages that need to relocate is to do so on their own terms mm. using local planning local material and local labor all on their own oh that, that's self-determination yeah, and you she validated my you, 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 she validated my main points. You can have self-administration, um, you know, in a colony, uh, a settler state. You you're not allowed to have self-determination. So, yeah. yeah, but she validated my points. Wow, she was like, did, yeah. Did you did you feel validated from having your points validated? Yeah, I stayed home from all of my finals that spring semester in like, I don't know, defiance of the need for graduate school well i was like okay well if i was right before i came here then what do i need the master's degree for <laughs> yeah so i stayed home in defiance of 
graduate school and kind of screwed myself over a little bit, but whatever, like made mm -hmm. me feel really good. And uh, then I re-met my honey. We'd met years ago, back when she was like 19 or something. And then um, I'd see her around, you know, here and there. And I always had a crush on her, but never, um, we never talked much out outside the first time we met. Mm. And then uh, she Facebooked me and the rest is history. I was like, oh, I didn't know you're living in Fairbanks. What's up? So we started hanging out and uh, that was four years ago. And now we have two wonderful children. One is three years old and our little boy is uh, gonna be one next month. Pretty much the damn cutest then, kids I've ever seen in my life, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so now i'm in grad school and in this really great relationship and then i'm like really torn about grad school and so i was working i don't think i was i think i was took some time off from grad school or something so i was working and then we had our first child, our daughter, and I didn't have a job. And then I landed a job back at the same university. Yeah, you finished up in student support or something there. Yeah, admissions. I was helping admissions. That's right. Students go yeah. through the admissions process. Yeah. And they hired me on as the the rural admissions counselor. Yeah. Now they, they seem to have in, in Alaska, the word rural pretty much means native. Yeah. I, I've noticed in all your policy stuff, it's like, if yeah. they don't want to say, say that N word, they'll just say rural. Yeah. Yeah. And so I embraced it. I was like, oh, y'all are going to make me the rural admissions counselor. All right. Like, yeah, I felt like I was the, you can make a difference. Yeah. The, the diplomat between the yeah. academia and ivory tower and all of these poor native students that are trying to get into the university and like i'm gonna fight for their rights and i'm gonna help things on the back end and establish relationships within the university and all these different colleges and like it's so weird bring the real how many times do you do this in your career i, I do it all the time but is that thing of like you know you figure out that the entire thing is just complete bunk and, 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 and it's just completely inimical to your entire way of being <laughs> and the native knowledge. And then, you know, suddenly you're getting excited about bringing other people into that. It's, um, <laughs> now that I know this doesn't fit and doesn't work, <laughs> it's completely wrong. I'm going to help other people come into that. <laughs> And that, that, then I'll be helping yeah, the like, community. And that's viewing my, my job like, you know, I didn't bleed academia. I was just, it was a job that I could get and I needed to find work to provide for my family. Oh, yeah. And so, first of all, it was just a job. Mm. But second of all, they really did, I really did think that it was like, I, I could bridge 
the rural academia gap. Yeah. And I, I took that seriously. I was like, all right, you guys want to do this? Let's do this. And I brought the reel and I was in this meeting. I had to go around to all the different colleges to figure out what they're all about so I could speak to what they do during the admissions process to students. And I was at this one college talking with their reps, hearing about what they do. And uh, I, I came off too hot and heavy, too stern. I wasn't rude, but I wasn't nice. And I had this whole plan like, oh, I'm going to come at them hard. I'm going to flex on them. And then our relationship will grow and they'll come to see me as human and it'll be great. We'll have this wonderful diplomatic relationship. And I went back to my office and like the next day or something, my boss said, who is a really nice person, wonderful lady, came down and she's like, oh, we need to talk. <laughs> you're like what, what was it was it should i have not brought the handgun to the meeting is it <laughs> yeah and so she slapped my wrist for for uh exercising my own autonomy mm. and having my own agenda mm. and very nicely told me i had to go through her Mm. And that's when I was like, oh, 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 mm. you hired me because I have a pretty brown face. Mm. Okay. Mm. And that's kind of when my YouTube journey started. That was the seeds of it right there. Was when uh, I really lost faith in, in huge institutions' ability to mean what they say. Mm. So had, had you already come across stuff on YouTube that was kind of like, uh, you know, talking about loss of faith in institutions or, um, you know, trying to explain the inadequacy or, or the corruption of institutions, or did you launch it there? And if so, what keywords were you? Were you searching? What? Uh, how did your algorithm kick off? Yeah, none of that. Um, it just fed it to you. It was just like, oh, this guy's just been sacked. And, and he's he's, <laughs> no, he's, he's rural. Me. They kept me on. I just ah. had to keep my head down. Okay. Yeah. So I had this desk job where you're like, I you come out when when we need our, our photo taken with uh, with a, with 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 a native with a rural yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's not, there's not eight hours of work to be done in the admissions department in a university. Right. Yeah. So you, you, you left with a, a desk with a computer with two screens. Oh, I had two screens. It was so cool, you know. Nice. And uh, so then I just, I forget what I was started looking into. Just basic practical stuff i remember looking up a lot of how to use a map and compass mm. and triangulate your position using a map out there in the country and stuff and how to how to start fires with a fire striker and mm. how rocket stoves work stuff i was interested in mm -hmm. 
and see that's this survivalist survivalist yeah stuff. that's that's one of the roads in yeah oh that's that's like one click away in. from prepping prepping's one click away from you know well here's why you need to uh, have gold like physical gold in your in your <laughs> yeah because you can in, gold. in your doomsday kit and you know yeah. um you know, it's because of the banks and the bankers and you know the bankers is just just a way of saying Jews without having your video taken down <laughs> basically in these, in these things. And then next minute <laughs> you're in a whole another universe. Where did it take yeah. you? Where did it take yeah. you? I, Cause I know where that goes that, Oh yeah. Flint napping, um, starting a fire without matches. Where does that go? Yeah. Where did it take you? Oh, uh, well that job only lasted six or eight months or something and then my honey wanted to move back here to Cotsview from Fairbanks uh, rabbit so hole, dis rabbit hole a, disrupted yeah way. so I had to find yeah. a different job and I found one here that was again not a full eight hours worth of work mm. so I was like all right and by that time we moved here summer of 2019 mm. And I was telling all my friends in 2020, shit's gonna fall apart and we're all gonna be back in the stone age globally. Mm. There's gonna be a civil war in America. Shit's going down in 2020. Man. <laughs> and I, so I, I had moved here to I had similar ideas. I, I was like, um, January 6th come around and I was like, what? <laughs> And it just turns out your militias over there are just useless. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it came and went and America was still the boss of the world. I was like, God damn it. Okay. So what, a couple more decades of this? What, what, how long are we going <laughs> to? No. Yeah. No. You see, I'd started to fall into accelerationism, I believe. Oh, so yeah. That's, that's one of the dangers of, yeah. of these uh, little algorithms. It's where it takes you. Yeah. It's like longing for the end yeah wanting it it's like oh please yeah please let it come <laughs> yeah yeah so you thought 2020 yeah so um when we moved here and i ended up with this job that was a desk job with again not a lot to do mm. and i th thought that 2020 was like when the airplanes would stop flying and we'd all have to move out into the country and and gather and build old style sod homes like the kind that we had up here before colonization mm. and really help one another and work together and be a, an actual community but i had this desk job and so i was like well i want to try to understand the world so that when my kids grow up or then only one but when her generation grows up I'll be able to help them understand why it is we got here so that it'll help lessen the trauma that they'll be going through because their parents and my generation have all been suddenly cut off from buying Snickers bars and Coca-Cola mm. and actually having to work for a living like labor. And so I, I went into my YouTube trip on that second job with the goal of like 
okay, I've got a bachelor's degree. I've been exposed to three years of English literature education where it was basically studying the history of the white man's thoughts and ideas. I've got this idea of like how we got to where we are now, sort of. Mm. Like one of the when I was in grad school, I had to, I was a TA for a political economy class. And so I had to read the textbook and help administer the tests when the teacher was out. And so I had some of that reading. So I, I was really focusing on like chasing down ideas. Mm. And I remember one of the first things I did was I listened to the Gulag Archipelago read aloud mm. by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And I think I listened to the whole thing. I might not have listened to the whole thing because it's pretty that's depressing. Pretty <laughs> yeah. that's pretty but I got crazy. through a lot of it. <clears throat> and then you'll like this. My godfather down in Oregon says, oh, you, there's this really smart guy. You got to get his book, Jordan Peterson. Ooh. Uh. <laughs> and so I look up Jordan Peterson and I listen to maybe a hundred or a couple hundred hours of his lectures back in the day, his old lectures before he got super big and famous and you know, really thought that I was like starting to understand Western Civ and yeah, yeah, where we are. What's the the lobsters with the biggest dicks run the joint, and <laughs> therefore we need to legislate to force women to comply with monogamy. It's yeah, yeah, it makes makes perfect sense. Yeah, so I went down this big Nature, evolution Peterson kick, and then started finding other intellectuals that were having just sit down conversations, long conversations about culture. And then all the riots and looting and burning of America started happening. Some, well, that was 2020, wasn't it? Mm. I believe so. Oh, did it start yeah. before? Anyway, it said you, you No, lose, it was 2020 because yeah, because January 6, 2021 mm. was right. Came after the summer mm -hmm. of 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 rioting every single night in Portland. That's right. That's right. And then I pretty much for the past, I guess, year or so, year and a half, I've just been listening to mostly um intellectuals i'd call them talking mm. and then a year ago i ran into your video on rebel wisdom your interview and i felt so much better after watching that video i was like oh yeah this is all bullshit <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh, that was that was about i know it was good to know that it had some positive impact on the world i just i really hated that interview and um yeah i'm really embarrassed about it but unfortunately it's watching yeah. anything it's just me bloody you know about five minutes after dom uh, a, dom a domestic dispute 
coming online to look up who these fellas are that I'm supposed to be talking to today and like and then seeing like you know <laughs> the kinds of people that we're talking to and the kinds of things I was saying and going oh hell no and then panicking and jumping in there and swearing at them a lot it was um yeah it was great it was beautiful <laughs> I emailed it to all my friends I was like oh yeah guys don't worry we're okay <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> uh, so you must have been so so your algorithm at that stage included Rebel Wisdom or was taking you there. And yeah. uh, you were saying you listen to intellectuals, you'd started out with Jordan Peterson, so you must have ended up doing the sense maker guru kind of uh circuit. And what did you finish with like uh, did you get Sam Harris or was he like I, from what I'd heard of him, I, I wanted to avoid Sam. Yeah. I might have um, listened to a couple hours of him. I can't remember. Oh, and then oh, there, there's a few others, eh? Um, there's, um, uh, Weinstein. Oh, you got into which one, Eric or Brett? Both of them. Both of them. Because Eric's classy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've both got and enormous I feel bad. chips on their shoulder. Yeah, I feel bad for him in a lot of it, his interviews. He seems like a super genius trying to communicate with like elementary school students most of the time. I think that's the um yeah. I think that's the branding. It's like he's a misunderstood genius and you know and basically he knows all this stuff that could just change the world and we could be have teleportation and be flying around in magic cars. Yeah, you know, if only you know, he and like he, he's got like, oh, just in his family alone, there's been three Nobel Prize winning level, you yeah. know, scientific discovery and absolutely all of them have been covered up. And, and yeah. yes, he's never published a paper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, he's never actually, you know, done anything. But, you know, he has, I, uh, he has basically does that thing that all these gurus do where they um they come up with a hypothesis in one area and then they kind of use that as a metaphor and they just kind of expand that out to a whole heap of other areas outside of the field of expertise and go look this is just a universal truth and people go oh my god and you just sort of bake everything around that and um and then you know it's 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 not even they don't even call it a theory even though it's barely a hypothesis because they're not even testing it in the world they just kind of say it and then they apply it to everything and they're a misunderstood genius but they're also this uh usually another red flag for me is usually this persecution complex that comes with it it's like well everybody you know the whole world is against us and they're trying to shut down the truth and you know etc etc and then everybody else who sort of feels like you know they can't say things and they get attracted to that and um and it makes a lot of money. And the more, the more of those kind of dog whistle patterns you can put out there, you know, to, like this idea that you have this, this secret knowledge that the institutions don't want everybody to know, the more you put out there, the more clicks you're going to get, the more subscribers you're going to get, the more followers. And, um, and you can basically live off that quite well. Yeah. Oh my God, everything just fell off. Sorry, man, I got like surplus carvings. <laughs> and, 
and it's evident that that's what he's doing because you have to look at what they're doing, not mm. what they're saying. That's it. Yeah. And so before we dive into all of them, uh, so what other names you look at? Are you looking at Charles Eisenstein? Um, um, Benjamin kind? Boyce. Yeah. With his Calm Versations podcast, he has a lot of interesting conversations. Okay. Yeah. Um, unheard. Mm. Uh, trigonometry. That's a big one that I like. Ah, uh, that's the one out of the UK with the. Uh, there's a, a Russian dude and. Um, Venezuela, some other kind of, they're, but they're both, yeah, British. Yeah, they're both British. Yeah, yeah. Are they? Yeah, all right. No, I know the, I know the ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. I was doing the Brett Weinstein Dark Horde podcast for a while, and I was excited because they were trying to get people elected besides the big front runners. Mm-hmm. And they had this big effort going on with hundreds of volunteers, and they even made an app so that we could vote on a rank scale out of like the six people that they decided would be best. Yeah, well, because if if you know evolutionary biology, then um, <laughs> you know that 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 sort of generalizes itself out to sort of. <laughs> <laughs> geopolitics and stuff like that you um yeah <laughs> and let's see who else those are the big ones i can think of right i go down i, I go down other idea like, and i did i mean did you end up joe roganing out that way since uh, you were yeah that deep in I, the intellectual dark web sort of more side of the sense-making community because it's sort of a, it's a sure. sliding scale, you know, that's, that's going more towards IDW side than, um, you know, than, than your sense maker gurus. And then like way over at the other end, then it's sort of, uh, you see there's a lot of overlaps with the, you know, complexity science, you know, community and a lot of the, um, I don't know what they call game B and all that sort of thing over that way. Um, yeah. But and it sounds like you like... were around the, the sort of Rogany, weinstein kind. I know yeah, said Epstein there I, by mistake, but it was some Joe Rogan sometimes take a hit. Yeah, a, li- a little bit of Joe Kane. <laughs> Joe Kane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, sometimes I want to learn about like, I'll run across a lecture on what a poverty trap is from some MIT yeah. lecturer. Yeah, yeah. Or, um, you know, I keep, I, I try to keep tabs on fox news sometimes see what the hubbub is going going about douglas murray with his Mm -hmm. really weird can't figure out if he's racist or not talking Uh, is his lips moving (laughs) 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 and then um who does doug talk to oh michael malice and tim pool yeah they're both like say they support anarchy Mm. meanwhile they seem to be raking in probably a hefty income from their youtube videos alone yeah yeah which is not anarchy um 
and then they'll have guests on like all of these shows will have guests on that all if they've got channels i'll go and talk with like um one of eric weinstein's guests was uh this russian american gal uh she was one of that podcast that red scare yeah red the red scare, scare. Yeah, yeah yeah proper oh those two are awesome yeah, yeah. proper pill I everybody goes back. everybody goes there Let the, the, yeah <laughs> it's like there's like an open channel so i think that so there's a I, re, I recall the graphic on the front is just like i don't know which one of them it is but it's one of their just their butts just with a thong poking out the top of the jeans I'm sure like it's that. not and either it's... of them. I'm sure it's somebody from Instagram. Oh, uh, yeah. And so then, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, mean, I and I think most of their listeners are male and they just kind of pop yeah. in there with their mouth open. I think that was, I was like trying to find out about them. And I recall oh, seeing on Eric Weinstein's one, the, what's at the portal. And he was talking, he was talking, he was interviewing one of them. But then I realized I'd, I've been listening to too much Eric Weinstein. Was one day I started going off about you know boomers in the academy like uh, you know sitting on their thrones and not letting anybody through and that we're you know we're all on these contracts and <laughs> nothing's getting done there's there's no innovation because <laughs> all these geriatrics running the academy yeah universities are broken and I and someone sort of pointed out to me dude you you sound like Eric Weinstein like just like, <laughs> a little bit <laughs> and I was like oh yeah. Those aren't my talking points. Where do they come from? Yeah. They were just kind of digitally, um, yeah, you know, fused <laughs> in with my thinking there somehow as we went along. Yeah, yeah. So we what what's so all out of that beautiful uh, ecosystem of 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 sense making that you got going on there? Where's the uh, what's the kind of story that you've drawn out from all that because i imagine you you would have found something quite different and made some observations you know from your from your native perspective um because you're also looking from a historical perspective of you know yeah institutions do really shitty things to people and it's not hard to imagine that because that's still happening there in this community oh yeah oh totally and it happens in the rural sort of you know settings and i see it all the time so you know it's yeah. it's it's not it's not a, a huge jump to like you know go yeah maybe maybe the clintons are eating babies you know it's it's right there <laughs> but you didn't go that far yeah. what was the where, where was the stories yeah. you ended up finding there and and particularly do you have a unifying narrative like a meta narrative that sort of ties everything together and a bit of a theory of um of what's going on in the world but then possibly a theory of change coming out of that as well where, where did you end up out of your three-year inquiry okay. yes it's funny because i saw you say the same thing in one of your videos um The conclusion that I've come to is that there's so many voices and so many microphones and so many videos and images out there that 
there is no meta narrative that is going to work mm. and that meanwhile while everybody's having fun posting videos climate change is still happening mm -hmm. and will change everything everything mm. and so we're moving back to fairbanks where we where we were uh living before we came to cotsview mm. we're getting out of dodge yeah because you can negotiate with assholes but you can't negotiate with a tidal wave or a rising sea mm. Mm. yeah living with assholes is, is uh preferable to drowning <laughs> yeah. it's a general rule but only yeah. just <laughs> yeah but yeah. it's and if you can't beat them join them that's the other thing so. <laughs> my my conclusion is everybody's really well everybody here in america anyways that are posting youtube videos we're really starved for meaning mm -hmm. and i know everybody's saying that and it's cliche and speaks to the times and everybody's saying that but i think folks here um feel like they've had the rug pulled out from them culturally and ideologically and everybody's waiting mm. and and really tense trying to make meaning by describing the crisis of meaning yeah but then just, folks are folks are just trying to like get through covid times mm. they think they think there's like going to be some kind of ideological bullet or technological bullet that will help them quote mm. unquote go back to normal mm. well look it doesn't uh it doesn't seem like you've fallen into the guru patterning here i've seen a few Could gurus I, but I, I don't yeah but i don't think you've been pilled completely because i like uh i left it right open for you and invited you to do the usual pattern of um um outlining what's wrong <laughs> um and then showing your unique perspective on it and what? and the way you know what your solution is or your take on it that can basically be uh, extrapolated across every possible discipline because you're an amazing polymath math and a galaxy yeah. brain and uh you know that um you know that uh, people should that be road. listening to you you didn't get there how well, did you know uh, i didn't did get there that way i didn't get there because i've already been there right me and i so i when i was working on my undergrad i met this guy and he was researching the old customs up here and every community used to have a kazari which translates into english as a men's house mm. and a, a gathering of families wasn't considered a community unless they had a kazari mm. and so he was trying to bring back the kazari and I went deep down that hole with him for years. 
at one point we sent out an email to all of the federally recognized tribes across the state saying, hey, give us $1,000 and pay our airfare and we'll come out to your village and walk you through the logic of how bringing back a men's house in your village will help you solve all your problems. Your right. Social problems, your sexual abuse problems, your poverty, your housing, your heating, your food, everything. We can we can show you it all. Did did it end up did you get I don't know, pilled over to MGTOW or Incel or something like that? Did it become like a a toxic kind of thing in that way or was it just or was it uh was it sound and you you it was but it was sort of flawed by the we have one solution problem it, it wasn't men going their own way it wasn't incel we honestly believed that if a community came together mm. and, and put their men to work addressing all of their issues as long as they did everything locally mm. that, that they could address all of their problems and solve all their problems and mm. including village relocation mm. that they would relocate to a uh, climate appropriate geography on their own terms with no outside funding mm. and no outside materials mm. nice but that would mean it would not mean a copy and paste of their community as it is now to a new location hmm. with the same dependencies. Hmm. It would mean going back to the old style sod houses that we lived in for thousands and thousands of years up here. God, you really selling me on this. Oh, we had it all planned out. I even walked into the Air Force base or Army base or whatever it is, the, the biggest one in Alaska to the DOD. I entered the mouth of the dragon and I was hmm. like, Look, guys, you should give us $220,000 so we can vi visit every village in the state so that when climate change forces village to, villages to evacuate, they won't evacuate the area mm. and they won't leave vast tracts of American soil uninhabited because uninhabited lands are much easier to invade wow. and claim than yeah. inhabited lands. So they saw a first line so of was... defense against uh, Russia. They saw yeah, a small, China, amount, small amount of money for you know people uh, to help people to help themselves. So there was the pulling up the bootstraps thing. And so, so that must have appealed. Um, well, yeah, they all said, oh, that's a lot a of neocons, that one. But we just don't have enough funding even for ourselves so mm. um thank you oh. and so i tried everything i could down that road because i had me and me and my buddy we had the solution man and for years i tried to tried to go there and then i was like oh we're gurus there is no solution one solution and until push really comes to shove, there's not a whole lot that I can do personally to save Alaska. Mm. So I might as well focus on being happy and healthy, being a good partner and father. Mm. 
I um. It, we, I, I, I had the impression that the Alaskan Rural Systemic School Reform Initiative um, was actually a success. <laughs> that that was that was that was uh, that that was from the metrics that I, the metrics that I saw. Uh, so I, I understood that to be pretty much the only <laughs> low scale Indigenous. You're just laughing your ass off. This is awesome. All right, come on, who's the dirt? No. What happened? No, no. Okay, no. not at all. Okay. Um. Because I was our, our drop out here, rate I was is, like, we need to do it like these. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Our dropout rate is through the roof. And even right. the ones that do graduate, like, what are they graduating for? So that mm. they can go to uni and come back to zero jobs in their community? Yeah. Like, it, it's not. Yeah. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, if there's and no the internal economy in, in your rural community, then yeah, then fifteen-year-olds no, are no not training stupid. people. There's no amount of upskilling people for jobs that don't exist that's going to make jobs appear. Yeah, um, fifteen-year-olds can see right through that, and they're like, "Yeah, fuck you, I'm going to go get stoned." Yeah, man. All right, well, is that fantasy gone? <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. all right but now at least i can proclaim that it's never ever worked anywhere um rather than just suspecting a, that maybe it that's worked a somewhere safe, once one time that's a safe statement yeah what's well, it's emotionally safe too it's an emotionally like no because then if something good ever does happen then it'll just be a pleasant surprise i won't, I won't be disappointed yeah the turnover rate for teachers that come into our villages, our teachers are piped in from outside of Alaska. Mm. They're coming in from the lower 48. They have zero cultural awareness. They're, they're coming into basically a foreign country where things don't operate the way they do back in Kansas. Mm. But they must, so, be, they must be getting you know uh training through like powerpoints and stuff like that to uh of course they do but it's all worthless and and yes yeah. and and a product of bureaucracy mm. Mm. it's all a big bureaucracy and so they stay five years is a long time for a teacher mm -hmm. to be in a village and they buy a lot of art and like whalebone carvings <laughs> and and stuff like that and <laughs> yeah Take back home with them, hang on a wall. Jesus, this is such a universal pattern. It's so familiar. Yeah, and then they leave. Yeah. And so the, the local school institution has no long-term cultural institutional memory. Mm. Meanwhile, everybody in the community has a multi-generational institutional memory of what going to school is. Mm. And so they're just passing each other like two ships in the night mm. so in summary in summary it's um it's just irretrievably flawed bad destructive extractive uh ruined 
you know, the entire system and all of its institutions. And there's nothing that one person can do. And there's nothing that a big coordinated systemic reform initiative can do. And, and what? In summary, we're fucked, so you may as well enjoy the ride. Oh my goodness, is that what we were up to? Yeah, oh yeah, totally. That is my most honest truth. Wow. In Eskimo, we call that my ishuma, my innermost thoughts and feelings. So where does that leave you? Well, All it right. frees me up. There's two parts to that. There is, yeah. So, so you're feeling a kind of liberation through. Oh yeah, that kind of end times. This, this. You're in the rapture already. You got your rapture happening. Yeah. You one thing. Eskimo rapture. One thing my dad likes to. And now, so one what thing do you my do dad says one? to people. My dad hmm. says, "What did you think the apocalypse would look like?" <laughs> so, what about your kids? What's your? I'm a good dad. Yeah, I'm but a good what's husband. your? Uh, what's your feeling for them about how you want to equip them to be in the world and what kind of um world way you know setting do you want to release them into and grow them up for and into what's the purpose of their existence well i'm, I'm not facing too many of those decisions right now because our oldest is she turned three in october mm. And she started going to the local Inupac immersion school here mm. from about eight in the morning till three in the afternoon. Mm. So she's learning language. Uh, she's learning social skills. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, there's another pretty common thing is, is how, how much people like to pick up buzzwords. You wouldn't believe how many indigenous language programs I've been to that call themselves an immersion program, but they're really just doing crossword puzzles um, and, and yeah. all the instructions are English. God damn it. It's because they, and, and they all want to call themselves language nests because they saw that in, in New Zealand that time when, you know, instead of, well, I don't know, funding schools, they actually to, sent like, you know, a handful of selected natives and some principals from the schools um, all around the world so they could visit Canada and look at the, you know, the native school there and, and New Zealand and look at that. And then they're going to go up and meet some Same and they're going to go, <laughs> eh. oh, my God. To, to be fair, I think they only speak Inupak while they're in school to the children. Oh, there you go. What are you talking about there? Yeah. We sent me off on a rant. So she's learning language. She is, but that's not my concern. My concern okay. with her is that she learned how to socialize. Mm. Mm. Because if you can't get along, yeah, you're fucked. Well, as you say, we're, we're fucked anyway. Well, yeah, but you got to so learn that, how to I think a lot of nice. people, all right. So you're liberated from a lot of your concerns, but one of those concerns is not like, you know, the hard work of having to get along with people. So I think a lot of people are kind of feel liberated by end times because it means they can do whatever they want to anybody. Uh, and they're no longer hobbled by, you know, 
the more heavy lifting side of relationality and having to uh, pay lip service to any kind of ethical behavior or anything. So they're yeah, kind of like, well, bro. we might as well burn the last of this and we might as well burn these relationships and we might as well treat these people like shit. Whoa. We might whoa, as well whoa, steal whoa. these people's children because uh, it's the end whoa. of the world anyway. But you actually whoa, know it's whoa, the whoa. end of that the world, so I'm freed up to... So, yeah, so you're actually the opposite of that. You're freed up, you're liberated to embrace relation relationship and to live in oh, good yeah. relation yeah yeah because when the airplanes quit flying we're gonna need to actually help one another yeah like i am not saying let's burn it down and fuck you i can do whatever i want i'm yeah, saying yeah. like whoa i need to like learn how not to get angry with my honey so easily i need to like start modeling that better with my children so that she can grow up and mature and become a well-balanced human being so that when the airplanes do quit flying and we have to become communities again, mm. because right now we're fractured, mm. we'll be able to work together and not kill each other. That's, that's it. So that's, that's the, that's the native solution. So that's, that's what we prep, do up here. Native prepping, yeah. native prepping is about stockpiling relationships and relational skills. It's not about um, uh, storing up a whole heap of caribou jerky and some, you know, um, you know, uh, centenary, you know, minted Sarah Palin gold coins, <laughs> commemorative, you know, set um, that you pay <laughs> yeah. too much from, but it's all gonna be all right because when the, when the whole, you know, Iraqi sort of gold uh, thing happens in you know, you'll be invested and and then that currency will fucking go through the roof and that's going to happen any day now and we're just going to be millionaires yeah. and we're going to yeah. have all this prepping done um it's a, it's a weird world isn't it all right because i knew yeah i knew where you'd finish up would be another place from the usual and see usually the the rapture rapture ideologies of people who um have decided everything's finished uh, is kind of going the other way. It's more towards the party or despair or um, investing in another world, you know, in the kingdom, yeah. in, you know, having, you know, storing up your, you know, personal development credits um, so Ooh. that God will let you in sit on the cloud up there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you're, so you're not in despair about your children. It's not like there's no hope. It's like, yeah, all, all of this system's finished and all this is coming down and that's taking us towards a time um, when relationality will matter again. And so that's where we need to focus our attention. Yeah. Nice. And you went from Jordan Peterson to that. This is why a native ontology <laughs> really, really helps. <laughs> yes. And that was, that's like the biggest thing that I wanted to convince you of I yeah, was like, yeah bro you're already on it quit playing around with these folks that have weird ideas <laughs> you just done the craziest eyes there <laughs> yeah. i'm like yeah You've already figured it out, bro. Like, this is it. 
Yeah. We got to be neighborly. That's it. Just be a good neighbor. Yeah, and all these folks with ontology and all these huge mental gymnastics, like a lot of these folks I've been listening to go into some mental gymnastics that I can barely follow Mm-mm. if I'm following them at all. And mm. it makes me feel smart and it makes me feel good. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know what they're talking about. It's all bullshit. Because mm. when the lights go out, are you going to worry about what your neighbor's ontology and epistemology is? Mm. Or if they're going to let you have some water from their tank? Well, yeah, I am going to be concerned about that. If if they're there stockpiling guns, I'll probably stay the hell away and find my water somewhere else. If they're all like, you know, Jesus and AR-47s or whatever the hell, I don't know, gun names whatever yeah. <laughs> a big bunch of them i'll probably stay away yeah. from that ontology and i'll go towards uh i'll be i'll be looking for your village bros <laughs> yeah looking for a way of being in the world which has uh concerned itself for a decade or so with retrieving um a, you know a way of being in the world that is relational and that is um yeah where that's your true wealth beautiful well i like it Yours is the only rapture ideology I've come across that uh, that I actually sort of liked. I feel like I could I could get on board with that. <laughs> Too deadly. Anything else to add? Before we wrap him up, we we're getting up uh, towards the end of time limits here. How do you, how do you feel being told from some Eskimo on the other side of the earth that like, yo, bruh? You already, you're there already. You've already, you made it. Stop trying. You're good. <laughs> yeah. How, how do you feel? I, I don't know. I feel relief, I guess. Um, just considering the possibility that maybe there's, there's, there's um, I don't know. At the same time, I feel like I need to share with people. But then I know, kind of and- like, at the, that's a trick as well. That's a trap. How do I feel yeah. about it? I feel, I, I don't know. I feel really excited about it. I feel excited, like in the same way that I've been feeling the whole time, uh, you know, with all our emails back and forth and our first big yarn. It's just like, yeah, it's just exciting to be talking to someone from your part of the world to begin with. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I recognize somebody as raw trap. and real as yourself. Um, and I recognize that it's, it's a trap and that I, I totally understand wanting to share it and and get it out there and try to tell folks like look calm down calm the fuck Mm. down Mm. chill like we got to be in relation with each other like Mm. this this world that we're in is complex when you pick too much of these leaves Mm. it Mm. affects the ants or yeah whatever all those cool stories you got in your book i get that i just wanted you to like what I really wanted to tell you was to be like, don't get lost in there because mm. yes, you're doing a, a good thing. I mean, it totally helped me and my friends Mm-mm. like big time in a real way. I felt a huge relief when I saw that video. Yeah. I was like, Oh yeah, it's all bullshit. Nice. Like, but don't, don't get lost don't drink, in there. Don't drink your own Kool-Aid, bro. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, that's really good. Yeah. That's what I come here. 
That's what I came for. <laughs> That's what I needed to hear. From Eskimo. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't drink Don't your drink own. Your own Kool-Aid. Don't drink your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. No, I like that. Yeah, how do I feel about it? I feel pretty good about that. I like it. Yeah, because mm. it's great. All your stuff is great. Like they, you're saying stuff that really needs to be heard. A lot of times, what I've seen, people aren't even hearing you. Mm. You're talking, and they're like, "Okay, yeah, thanks." And I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say now. What mm. I came here to say. Mm. I, I do that a lot. I think I've done that about yeah. three, three times with you today. And I don't mind. But it's around. I'm not gonna listen back again. I'll, I'll hear it. Yeah, back again. I'm not gonna force you to like address mm -hmm. my points on my mm -hmm. terms. That's mm -hmm. not the indigenous way. No, you sit with it and you just wait. You come into good relation. Well, yeah. it's been a while. What have you been emailing me for? A year? Two years? Yeah. Well, my first one, I was just like, "Yo, bro, thanks, man. Mad props. You really helped me." <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alaska. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Russ. Well, let's um let's wrap him up. Right. I don't I don't think we can improve on that. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> yeah, is that beautiful. Was the, that was the There's a lot one. of beauty out there. We just gotta look at it. That's it. All right, but a man. <laughs>